0: Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm so excited that you're here with us. We've got something a little different, a little fresh for you, a little newer. So a few years ago, Pastor Chad and myself, my name is Eric, we started a podcast through our church, Preaching Christ Church, and we are working very hard on launching a new podcast for Awaken to Grace, and these are some of the older episodes that we did just here a couple of years ago. We wanted to share our favorites with you guys, and hopefully that gives you something to look forward to coming in the new year. So we've got um, several topics that we're discussing, trying to to push out some more content with our podcast, but here's a few of our old ones. We hope you enjoy them. Give us some feedback on Facebook. If you like them, let us know, and uh, we will have some great content coming for you very soon. We'll Welcome to the Preaching Christ Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Eric Davis, the worship pastor at Preaching Christ Church, and I'm joined, as always, by our lead pastor, Chad Roberts. We have today what we hope is an exciting and engaging episode for you with uh, everything going on in the news and media regarding the election. We got together and we said, hey... Let's just talk about it. How should the church respond to this, and and, uh, more specifically, our church? And, you know, we've seen some arguments happen on Facebook with not just people in our congregation, but but churches around the world. And we've seen large megachurch pastors take stances uh, politically and endorse certain candidates. So we're just going to have a discussion and open it up today. So, Chad, the big question I have is, will Preaching Christ Church endorse a candidate?
1: Well, the short answer is no. PCC will not endorse a political candidate uh, nor a political party. I've got friends who would sharply disagree with that. I have, uh, you know, Christian friends who would say that the church needs to be more vocal on uh, politics. We need to be more vocal on encouraging, steering people uh, for who to, you know who to vote for. My conviction on this, as a pastor, um, is that. What my responsibility is, is not to put my effort, my energy, my resources into the political realm. What my responsibility is, it is to teach the Bible. My responsibility is to uplift Christ. My responsibility is to equip the church. And what I feel is if I am teaching the right way from the Bible, and I am influencing the people who attend my church with a biblical worldview, then what's going to happen naturally is they're going to vote uh, based on their biblical worldview. And that's my job as a pastor, is to shape that. My job is not to endorse a certain candidate. And I say that because of this. What I don't want to see happen in my ministry or, or, or our church is to alienate people who would disagree with me I don't want people to disagree with my political views. If you disagree with something, I want, I want it to be that people have to disagree with the Word of God, sure. not that they disagree with my thoughts or, or you know, stance.
0: Uh, let's go back for a second and dive a little deeper into, into the biblical worldview. So for our listeners and people that may not quite understand what you mean by mm-hmm. biblical worldview, explain that to us. Yeah,
1: a biblical worldview is when you use the Bible as your lens for seeing everything. That's your filter. That's how you view the world. You view it through the lens of what God's word says. And so for me, that takes politics out of it. It doesn't matter if I was raised this way or if I grew up with um you know in this certain party or allegiances to this party. No, what matters at the end of the day for me is not whether I'm conservative or liberal. It doesn't matter whether I'm on the right or the left. What matters is is am i centered on God's word. And if I'm centered on God's word, then politics is not going to have that big of a of a of a play in how I feel and and the way I think. It's the Bible that's going to guide, that's going to shape and mold my thinking. Now, what would you
0: say to people that would make the the this argument, the argument that says if we aren't political, if we don't take a stance for a specific party that maybe backs our conservative views, then what good are we doing? What's the point of, of you know being representative of of uh, Christ if we can't use that influence to pass legislature and be more conservative?
1: Right, and there may be people who they need to battle in those realms of politics, and that might be what God has called them to do. I wouldn't throw stones at them for doing that, but for me, and and the church that God has called me to pastor, we're not going to exert our efforts in the area of politics. Um, I just don't see that that's what the Lord wants us to do. We're going to be about the Great Commission. We're going to be about preaching the gospel. We're going to be about training people and teaching people how to think biblically. That's where our energy is going to go. And you talked briefly
0: with our staff about um, kind of filtering ourselves on Mm -hmm. social media, not necessarily letting ourselves sway towards one candidate.
1: Or the other um and, and you had really good reasoning behind that. what was it? Well, my reasoning is because politics it can be such an emotionally charged issue that we don't want to alienate the people that we're called to minister to. you know, you as a worship pastor, you stand in front of the whole congregation leading them into worship. You don't want someone that just because you like a certain political candidate. You don't want the opposite of someone who feels just as passionate as you do over the opposite candidate to not be able to follow your leadership. I, I just don't see I just don't see the benefit, not when we're called to uplift Christ. I just don't see that politics has that place in our worship gathering. It's okay to have opinions, it's okay to have views and things like that, but my greatest concern is to influence people toward the gospel. You know, this will be my fifth presidential cycle as a pastor. And, uh, you know, you look back over the last four races, um, I'm glad that I didn't stand with with one over the other because now they're gone. You know, they're they're going to be, you know, the next guy or next woman is coming in, so it doesn't, uh, you know, I, I just simply don't want to alienate the people that I'm supposed to minister Jesus to. Because I like a certain candidate, or because I'm of a certain party, to me it has no place in the church.
0: So, when the polls open in November, will you be voting?
1: Yes, I'll vote. I think it's uh, I think it's the not only, you know, the the privilege; it's the responsibility of every American to vote um you know so uh, yes voting is important i will vote in the presidential election and uh, i think it's i think it's important that christians vote i just don't think that i should be dogmatic in hindering the effect and the influence of the gospel in order to tell people who to vote for so you
0: won't leverage your Platform to influence people one way or the other. Yeah,
1: precisely. And there's some people who would disagree with that, and they're free to, you know, that's fine to disagree with. But I'm just not going to let politics get in the way of the influence that the gospel should have in people's lives.
0: So, no matter who wins the election, what do you do if you're a Christian and you disagree with that administration? Do you still respect what they bring to the table?
1: Yes, I think so. Uh, The Bible is very clear. When Paul wrote to the Romans, and you think about that, he's writing to Christians who live in a very uh, hostile empire uh, toward Christianity. The Roman Empire was in- incredibly hostile to Christians, and, and they even killed Paul. They, they beheaded Paul. And, uh, you know, he's writing to Christians who's, uh, you know, going to face Nero here, and, and it's very, you know, scholars believe that it was the Emperor Nero who beheaded Paul. And when Paul writes to these believers, this is what he says. It's very interesting. Romans chapter 13, listen to what he says. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. So I think we have to view even government officials as though it's set in place by God. And then he goes on to say, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities... Resist what God has appointed. And then listen to what he's going to say at the end here in verse number 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. And listen to this. Respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed so it doesn't matter if i agree with an administration or if i if if their decisions make me so angry the bible says i am to give respect i am to give honor because that is owed to the institution that god has put in place
0: i think for me that's one of the biggest things that that i see that bothers me about um not christians as a whole but christian people that i know yeah the disdain that they have yes. for you know our current president right. and and they'll they're vocally speaking out against this person and and it is in scripture t- it talks about how nobody is appointed outside of the hand of God i mean this is a person god knew what he was doing when he set the world in motion That's and right. and there's so much disrespect and it it bothers me so deep you know the president's going to do what he's going to do and it doesn't that doesn't bother me it affects me but but i am able to deal with
1: it. Well, you know, Terry Whitson, who is so often a guest on our show here, he said something yesterday that really impacted me. I never looked at it this way. He said, you know, when you are negative toward the government, even though we often do not agree with what our government does, we don't agree, be be it the president or Congress or Senate or anything, there's a lot going on in Washington that the average American just really does not agree with and really hates. And he said, you know, when we are critical of our government, we're empowering the darkness that's there. Mm. When we say things like Congress is so stupid, you know, the president is such an idiot, and when we say things like that, we're empowering that darkness. What we should be doing as Christians, as Christ followers, is we should be pushing back against that darkness in prayer. We should be uplifting our leaders, and we should be calling on God to help them and guide them and move on their hearts. And right now, you know, our ear is very close to the ground to what... A lot of the church is doing. and as a church, we're failing to pray for our government leaders because we are frustrated. We are upset. We do see, you know what often feels like catastrophic decisions being made. and we're so full of frustration. we're not looking at the we're not looking at the bigger picture. We're not taking that 30,000 foot view. Well, let me say it this way, we're not taking the biblical worldview and that's exactly what we're talking about so if going back to our earlier discussion if we have a biblical worldview and the lens we use is the bible it's going to say it doesn't matter what you think of the government the government's instituted by god and you pray for you respect you honor those people who are in positions of authority
0: if the Bible commands us to respect governments, and, and I would assume that would be all governments throughout the world for all Christians, you know, here in the United States, our biggest issues are taxation and immorality with some of the laws that have been passed, especially, especially recently. Well, what about other countries that are under dictatorships and they, and Christians live in, under oppression?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the Bible says clearly what we just read in Romans 13, that we are to respect government. We are to show honor. We are to show, uh, you know, a high level of respect. However, that is with limitation. Um, You know, as we see in Acts, Peter boldly said, uh, you know, we will obey God uh, rather than man when that time comes. So yes, that authority is given, but it's given with limitation. If, If the laws are... Uh, contrary to God's laws, then you obey God's laws. Now, uh, in saying that, I think here's where the Church of the West is really getting, it, is really missing it. You take Christians who live in North Korea or Christians who live uh, in Vietnam or other uh, communist or repressive regimes like that or governments. They pray. What we try to do in America is we get political. And we try to form petitions and things like that. And it seems like prayer is the very last resort that we have. That's what I think is disappointing about the Church of the United States, or at least of the West, I should say. So, you know, I often think of the Roman Empire days. So you take an emperor like Nero or an emperor like Caligula, this man, if you do some research on him, he was he was involved in incest, he was a madman he was involved in homosexuality and in, uh and in, in being a transvestite all kinds of things and persecuted the church immensely and what did the church do? The church prayed and I think that's where we're missing it in the west i think uh it's you know america not America is not mayberry any longer and it never will be. And I think we're in a different time, and the church needs to respond in a different way. And that way of responding is not to, um, you know, not to hate the culture that we're becoming, but to pierce this darkness with the light of the gospel. How is it that we've gotten so far away
0: from understanding the power of prayer? For our government
1: yeah well I think little by little I think we become so comfortable as a church and as a society as a whole that uh, there's not there's not much that people need to pray for anymore we've got medicine that can heal us and we got plenty of money and we can buy anything we can charge anything and all of that comfort has brought us to the place where the Bible says woe unto those who are at ease you know and we're in a place of ease not just individuals as families but even the church
0: For a long time, uh, I guess before you got married and had kids, you you were a missionary. That's what you would have considered yourself. You've been to Egypt and several several other countries. We talk about Christians being persecuted in the United States. Um, Talk about the difference between what we see as persecution and what you've seen as persecution.
1: Yeah, well, it is completely different, but I'll say this. Persecution is coming to our shores. Not only is it coming, there are many who would agree with this. It's here it's here already it just has not been unleashed uh persecution is here um per it, it is different you know we we travel places as you said all over the middle east uh, a lot of times persecution is more in the in the realm of society like uh christians can't get good jobs they'll get denied good places to live they'll be denied education um you know things like that it will come in the way of society But then you have other places like we've smuggled Bibles into Vietnam and uh, we've been with persecuted believers in Zanzibar and, uh, and, you know, places where Islam not only is the norm but it dominates and it's very difficult on believers. Uh, We've been to Kuwait and uh, Qatar and United Arab Emirates, um, places all over the world that, that it's hard to be a Christian and it is, it's different
0: meetings we we've had a few missionaries come through the church and and stay with us over the years. I guess for me one of the biggest differences I see when they talk about their government compared to how we talk about our government is I feel as though we talk about our government with a sense of entitlement. They talk about their government because their government persecutes Christians with fear. Yeah. Would you say that's pretty accurate?
1: Yes, absolutely. I've been with Christians where Um, You know, I was with one believer one time on the Nile River in Cairo, and uh, he said some things about the government, and there was a man behind us who was recording with a video camera, and, um, and he didn't see him recording until after our conversation, and I've never seen fear on someone's face until then. I mean, it really scared him. Um, yeah, I've seen, uh, I had a young man who, uh, got saved while I was preaching at a church in Cairo and, uh, you know, the believers, uh, you know, they're like, Hey, we have to vet him because the government sends people in here to, uh, you know, falsely convert to see what we're doing. I had one pastor tell me um, in Cairo one time, he said, you know, yeah, the, 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 this was under um, President Mubarak, who was removed during the Arab Spring. But prior to that, he said, yeah, he said, you know, it's, it's not it's not that bad with church. He said, uh, we just can't, uh, you know, the government records what we say, and we can't go outside the walls and do any kind of evangelism. But other than that, we're free. And I'm thinking, brother, you're not free. That's not freedom at all. And so, I mean, we really have it amazing in the United States. But I believe that that is changing, and uh, and I believe our government will change and become more and more hostile against Christianity. So, what are you going to say to our church when uh,
0: when the pressure is mounting and the election is gaining? Um, gaining dominance in, in the media. What are you going to say to our church when questions start coming at you about either endorsing a candidate or your feelings yeah, on a candidate?
1: I have no trouble talking personally about my feelings. If somebody wants to come up to me privately and they say, hey, Chad, how do you feel about politics? What candidate do you like? I don't care at all to tell them. I don't care at all to talk about it. I like, I like I'm a news junkie, and I like politics, and I like talking about it. However... I will not do it publicly in a way that I alienate people who would disagree with me. Uh, but privately, it's totally different. I don't care at all to tell people how I feel or where I stand.
0: So going forward, approaching November, how are we going to prep our church for the election?
1: Well, November will be here quickly. And as we approach November, things are going to get uglier. The media is going to get uglier, and all of it's going to get messy. We, we know this. I think the responsibility of the church is to be light in the darkness. The responsibility of the church is to rise above all of the ugliness that we're going to see come into that political field. I don't want to see our church get entangled with it. I don't want to see people on social media arguing back and forth. I don't want to see, I just, let's just focus on the gospel That's what matters. And so, you know, things are going to shake out however they shake out. But at the end of the day, uh, I want Jesus to be what is uplifted among our people. I want the gospel to be what we talk about, what we're excited about, what we're eager and ready to share, because that's what transforms. See, that's another aspect that the Church of the West misses. It's not Washington that's going to transform our nation. I don't care who gets elected, it does not matter. In the grand scheme of transformation, it is the gospel that transforms our nation. And if ever in the history of this nation we need a transformation, it's today. So let's don't focus on the wrong things like Washington. Let's focus on the power of God. Let's focus on prayer. Let's focus on the effects of the gospel. So leading up to November, uh, how are we going to prep our church? Well, we'll continue to teach a biblical worldview. And that way, as people learn what the Bible says, they'll they'll vote based on those convictions. And then we'll teach the church how to pray for our leaders. And it doesn't matter who that leader is. We're going to uplift them in prayer because that's the biblical thing to do. And we're going to stay focused on the commission that God gave us, and that is to preach the gospel everywhere. That's how we're going to respond leading up to the elections come this November.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Chad, for your insightful wisdom today. And uh, if you guys enjoyed the episode, drop us a comment on Facebook. Please leave us a rating on iTunes, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Preaching Christ Church podcast. Be sure to check us out online at preachingchristchurch.com or find us on Facebook.